All right, here we're starting at the bottom of Kufnin Hayamud Bet, the last line. Turn up Ain Govlimet Kali. One cannot knead Kali, as Rashi describes, we've seen it in other places. Kali means roasted. It's roasted kernels of wheat that they then make into kemach. The kernels, when they're fresh, are moist. The only way to get the moisture out is to roast the kernels to get the moisture out. Once they're dry, then they mill them into flour. And so as she says that that's very sweet flour. It's always a sweet type of flour. And that you're not allowed to knead on Shabbat. And there's some say that you can be govel. And Rashi says, To make this drink that's made up of shemen, oil, maim water, melach, and salt mixed together. Some sort of delightful drink that they had in their time. Man Yeshumrim. Who's the one who says the Yeshumrim here? Amr of Chista. Yossi bi Rabbi Yehuda. It's Rabbi Yossi bi Yehuda. Vahani mile hudimishani. That's only if he does it in an unusual manner. Because even Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yehuda agrees the gavel is problematic. He only allows you to pour the water together with the item. But to actually mix it together, that he did not allow. But here, we're saying that he does allow it with this dispensation of the mishani. As long as he does it der hashinoi. Heichem mishani. How does he do it differently? He does it move by move, or hand over hand. He doesn't do it in a normal manner. He does it He does it in an unusual manner. He doesn't mix it together the normal way he would mix it. He does it either once in, and then he takes it out, puts another one in, switches hands, whatever it is that causes that difference. And everybody agrees, that you're allowed to be this drink. On Shabbat that we just described before. Vishotim Zaytuma Mitzri. And you're allowed to drink the Egyptian beer. So now Bukhashim at the Shatit, how could you say that everybody agrees to that? We just had the Brighta before that says it's a machloket about whether you're allowed to be Govel or not Govel. And the machloket we said was about Govel with a Shinoi, because Rabbiosi Rabbi says fine. Tanakama says no. So we're here by Bukhashim at the Shatit. How can you say everybody mixes this drink together? That's Govlim. Bokhashin is similar to Govlin, to mix it together. To mix or to basically knead into a solid object. Vamart in Govlin. Didn't you say before you're not allowed to mix or knead? Lokasha. Habeava, habiraka. Depends on the thickness of the solution. The viscosity, the thickness of the solution as to whether it's mutar or not. So if it's raka, if it's what we call belila raka, mixing something that is thin, then you don't have a problem in terms of Shabbat. Then, like Rabbi Yossi Brebita says, totally mutar, there's no problem with govlin. Haba'ava, there when it's thick, it creates a thick substance when you mix it, or it is a thick, thick substance before you mix it, and you mix it, there you have a problem of govlin, because that looks like kneading, that looks like putting together something and making it harder by mixing it. Over there, hanimile hutibishane, that's as long as you did a shinoi in your action. So raka is totally fine, what we call blila raka on Shabbat, that's fine. Blila Ava is problematic on Shabbat. If you mix something that's going to be of a more solid nature, that's problematic on Shabbat. The only exception, or the way that you can do it, is if you do it through a shinoi. Hechi mishani. How do we make that shinoi? Am Rav Yosef, bechol. On a weekday, no teneta chometz, v'achakach no teneta shatit. On a weekday, normally you put the vinegar in, and then put the shatit, the drink, together. Over here, b'shabbat, no teneta shatit, v'achakach no teneta chometz. Over here, you put the shatit in first, and then put the vinegar in afterwards. So you change the way that you create the mixture, and that is the difference over here. So the blila raka, which is not similar to lisha, not similar to kneading, that is mutar legamri, because the iser here is govel, is to knead, to take an object that was otherwise more liquidy, mix it together, and come up with something that's much more solid, or a gush. In that case, when you're dealing with blila raka, when you're mixing something... Like you take lemonade powder and you put it into water, the mixing of the lemonade powder and the water, that doesn't have any impact like kneading. That's called blila raka. That's not a problem at all. Because there's no consideration or comparison to the kneading of dough. On the other hand, blila ava, if you put something in that, when as you mix it, it becomes much more of a solid object. But even there, you can do zashinoi, which will solve a lot of your problems, is mix it through a shinoi. So, but then by ava, if you mix something that becomes a much more of a solid object, when you add the water to it and becomes much more a solid object, then in that instance, you have to be careful because that's very similar to kneading on Shabbat. 
So the only way to get around it is to do it kilachayad. If you do it in an unusual manner, the mixing, then it's not like kneading because you've changed the way that you do it. It doesn't look like kneading anymore. So now we have a couple of stories. Levi braid Ravuna Barchia. Ashkeche the Gavlo de Nashe. He found the person, according to Rashi, was Shomer Behemotaviv. He was the animal keeper for his father. And he was mixing, he was Govel de Kagavil. He was mixing the morsan, the bran, and the water together, and mixing them together to give for feed, Vesafile the Torah. And he was feeding it to the animals. He was doing, we would call, Govlin on Shabbat, and feeding the animals. Now, Bein Hashem, you can see over here, it's similar on Nasha. If you go back, on Chav Gimel Medbet, there's a story, it's in the Sugi of Hanukkah, on Chav Gimel Medbet, that they passed through the house of Bein Hashem, Bein over there, Tosafot finds his father-in-law. And uh, so, if that's what it means here, possibly that's what Mesorah Hashem is pointing out, that there's different definitions of this in other places. Batash Bey, he kicked him, smacked him, stopped, he was upset about the way he was behaving. His father came, Levi, who's the son, did this. And then Ravuna Barchia came and showed up on the space. This is what your maternal grandfather said. In the name of Rav. So his grandfather is Rabir Mi'abo, who's quoting Rav, said this. You're allowed to be Govel on Shabbat, no problem. You just can't feed it directly to the animals. And if the animal itself cannot use its tongue, it's a young calf or something like that, or a young foal that's unable to swallow properly, then you can even stick it in the back of the throat to the point where they swallow it. You have to do a shinoi. So he's saying basically what we said until now, which is govlin is fine, as long as you do a shinoi. What shinoi do you do? So this is something that on Shabbat that shows up in all the Sifri Aluch on Shabbat. You do it, Shati Nerev, one is vertical and horizontal. Instead of mixing around in a circular motion like you would do it, you do one or up and down, you do one forward and then one across. Like you're making an X on the mixture. So you mix it in an unusual way, which wouldn't be the normal way to mix it and won't mix it as well as normal. Ha lo me'arev shapir. Well, the problem with that is if you do it that way, you don't, you don't get the result that you want. That's part of why it's because that's why people don't usually do that. So, Amr Avihuda makes a suggestion that you can pour it back and forth between different kalim. So if you have it in this bowl or a cup, you can pour it to the other one, back and forth, back and forth, and cause the mixture to mix by pouring them back and forth. It's also not the normal way to do it, but that would help to mix it in a better manner. Kateva Pinkasei Dizi'iri so it was written on the tablet, or the notebook, we'd call it of Ziri. Amrit Kadim Rabbi. I said before Rabbi, Umanu, who's the Rebbe of Ziri? Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Chia was a Talmud of Rabbeinu HaKadosh, of Rabbi Yudanasi. He says, before my Rebbe, Rabbi Chia, Maul Gabel. I asked him, what's the din about the Gabel? Amar Asur. Says it's problematic. Maul Farik. What about Piruk? Amar Mutar. That he says Mutar. Over here is Machloket Rashi in Tosafot, what the Farek is. Rashi says the Farek means to take food from in front of one animal and put it in front of a, another animal. That's what Rashi says. Tosafot takes issue with that because we had a Mishnah earlier in the Masechta that already dealt with that, about moving food from in front of one animal to the other animal. And that can't be what he's asking about. But rather, Venir Lariv, Hainu Larik Mayim, Vigama Mursan, Mikli Elkli, Tigabel Yehitev. He says it's pouring back and forth. You have water and bran and cup, and you're pouring them back and forth, back and forth to mix them. And that he says, Mutar. And then if that would match or make sense in our sukya, he's saying the Gabel, to mix it or knead it directly, that's problematic, because he didn't do any Shinoi. Lifarik, if he does it the way Rabbi Huda suggested before, which is he does it from mixing it back and forth, between that, that's Mutar, because that's Derech Shinoi. Amarav Menashio, others have the Girsa Menashe, Chad Kame Chad, Tre Kame Tre. When you put food in front of the animals, you can put the amount of food that one animal would eat in front of one animal. Tre Kame Tre. You can put the feed for two animals into the trough if there are two animals eating there. Shaperdami. Talata Kame Tre Asur. But if you put the amount of food that is sufficient or feed that's sufficient for three animals in front of two animals, that's Asur. Assumption being here that that would be a Tircha Yeterta. 
an unnecessary effort on behalf of the animals because they don't need three animals worth of food. They only need two animals worth of food. Rabbi Yosef says we don't worry about it. You can put out a kava or a kabayim. Ula goes to the extreme core of afilu kurayim. So we don't worry. As much as you want, you can put out. We don't check how much they're going to eat not eat. If you want to bring it out, you just bring out. And whatever is there is left over afterwards, fine. Kativa Pinkase de Levi. It's written on the Pinkas of Levi. Amrit Kadam Rabbi. I said before Rabbi, Umanu. Now Levi is a Talmud of Rabbeinu Akadosh. The Talmud of Rabbeinu Akadosh is mentioned a couple places in Shas. We're going to bump into him in Sukkah again, a story with him and Rabbeinu Akadosh. So Levi, like Rabbi Chia, is a Talmud of Rabbi. So now, Adav Gavlin Shtita Bavel. So he told him, Levi tells him that in Bavel, they're doing this mixture of this drink that we mentioned before. The Shtita, which was mentioned before, and they said that they were mixing it. In the Brayta, we had two opinions. But one opinion says, Ain Govlim, you're not allowed to mix it. The other opinion says, Yesh Govlim, that you're allowed to, Yesh Omim Govlim, and that was Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda says it was permissible to mix it. And then we said, Al Yudei Shinoi, that was fine. So now we're presenting this before Rabbi. Rabbi Rabbi was shouting, screaming, Umanu, and who's this Rabbi that's screaming? Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Again, the same Rabbeinu HaKadosh. Al-Davagavlin Shtita, that they were mixing this Shtita. The late Dishmiele, nobody listened to him. And he didn't have the power to stop them. Number one, he's in Eretz Yisrael, so it would be much harder to stop the people in Bavel. But more importantly, because Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yudah is the Baal Machoket of Rabbi. As we saw yesterday, that it's Rabbi versus Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi was the one who said that you can't even pour the water together with the Kemach. That's considered to be Govlin. Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yudah is the one who permitted you to pour the water together with the Kemach. So the Baal Machloket of Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah is Rabbi. So Rabbi Lashitato said it was a sore. And he was upset about what they were doing in Bavel. And they didn't have any power over him because he wasn't able to enforce his position because Rabbi Yosef Rabbi Yudah was accepted and had a position against Rabbi. And that's what everybody followed. Now we have the, we enter into this daf, which it's most famous for in Shas. Which is the next piece of the suya, which is Kotiv Apinkaseid Rabishu bin Levi. It's written on the again the tablet, the pads of Rabishu bin Levi. Now what's interesting here are these memorals or these things that we have written down. In, in their time it was Torah Shabalpa, they generally did not write down items. What they did do is when they heard a new memro or something that they thought they would forget, they'd write it down until they committed it to memory, and then they would put it into Geniza, they would so I don't know if here they're finding these items that were Ganus. Like some equivalent to find the Cairo Geniza, and they found all these writings that they found, or that they kept these notebooks around when they had this stuff written, and then they, at the end, someone found them later on. It's unclear what exactly, if this was where we found them, or how these things were found. But it's written on the Pinkas of Rabbi Shubin Levi, Ayman, the Bechad Bishaba Yehegavar. Someone who was born on Sunday, Hegavar. He will be somebody special, someone with unique qualities. Velo chadabe, but he won't have one thing with him. So what does that mean? My velo chadabe. What does that mean? There won't be one thing with him. Imayma velo chadativu, that he won't have anything good. Meaning that he'll be a, a big gun, but a big gun lura'a for bad, and there'll be nothing good about him. You can't say that. Ravashi, Ravashi said, Ana bechad havai. I was born on Sunday. Ravashi, and we know Ravashi is a Tamur Chocham, a Gadol Ador. can't be that he has nothing good about him. So that certainly can't be the case. Elav, Chada Bishu. That there's nobody bad born on that day. The people born on Sunday are all good. From Ravashi, Ana, Vedimi Bar Kukusta, Havian, Bechad Bishaba. I and Dimi Bar Kukusta were both born on Sunday. Ana Melech, I'm a king. I mean that he was... A Rosh Golan and Mordachro, and Vuava Reish Ganve, and he was the head of the thieves. We're both uh, rulers. Accomplished. Accomplished, right? Accomplished in different ways. Ela i kule letivu i levishu. That's and I'll say the expression this way, and then you'll understand why. Is that it's black and white. Either you're totally good or you're totally bad. Why is it black and white? Because what was created on the first day is light and darkness. So that's why either it's black and white, that either you're totally good or totally bad for someone who's born on Sunday. Haiman de betray someone who's born on Monday, 
Be a person who has a bad temperament. Because that was the day on which the waters were split. So this person with a bad temperament, someone who gets angry, is going to cause people to separate from him, push them away, similar to the way that the waters were split on the second day. Someone who's born on Tuesday, he will be a wealthy individual, but he will also be promiscuous. Because that's the day that the herbs and all the grasses were created. And as Rashi points out, that grass is something that grows wild. It's prey or vey. So that's why he'll be mizaneh. So both it's in a positive form in terms of wealth, because it's something that grows quickly and spreads. But also on the other half, it, it reproduces very quickly. So that's the idea of zanai. That's one possibility. The other one is that they grow intermingled. They don't grow separately. These types of herbs and weeds and greens, they all just grow over each other. So that's why you got the Zanai. But again, the fact that it grows quickly and spreads quickly will be that he's rich. Someone who's born on Wednesday will be a Chacham, a very wise individual. Vinahir. Now here Rashi says Zivatan, which means that he will have a certain aura to him, a glow about him. But if you look in there, you see that parentheses down below, he brings from the Aruch, is that he have a good memory. Then both he will be bright and a good memory. My timer. He's going to be bright in both senses of the word. Bright in the fact that he's wise, and bright in the fact that he has this appearance, this aura about him, because that was the day that the constellations were set up, the sun, the moon, the stars, so that would match up with it. Haiman Dimichamisha Bishaba, someone who's born on Thursday, Someone who is a generous individual. Because the fish and the birds were created on that day, who they don't have to work for their food. God provides for them. God takes care of them. God's gomel chesed to these animals. So too, the person born on that day will be a gomel chesed. The one who is born on Erev Shabbat on Friday, hey gavar chazran. Be a person that chases things. Chasing the things means chasing mitzvot. He's going to be a person that chases after mitzvot because on Erev Shabbat, everybody's busy preparing for the Shabbat. So everybody's running to do mitzvot on Erev Shabbat. The person who's born on Erev Shabbat will have that character trait of running after the mitzvot. Anyone who's born on Shabbat will die on Shabbat. He's going to die on Shabbos because when he was born, they had to violate the Shabbat. So therefore, he's going to die on Shabbat. And he'll be called a very holy person. Because born on Shabbat is Kodesh. Shabbat is Kodesh. This individual will be Kodesh. We know that that doesn't always work out. Not everybody who's born on Shabbat passes away on Shabbat. Their correlation might have to do with those that are Kadish Rabbah. But those are that are Kodesh, those that are holy, they might die on Shabbat if they were born on Shabbat, but not that everybody would die on Shabbat. So that might be the explanation of Amarava Barav Shila. Not that he'll be called Kodesh, but he's modifying or qualifying the statement before is, who is the one who dies on Shabbat, who was born on Shabbat? Someone who was Kodesh. Someone that is special, unique individual, they will also die on Shabbat. But not that that is a generic statement about anybody who's born on Shabbat. So now we have the modification of all this. What Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi is basically saying is that there is something called determinants. You're born on certain days. You're going to have certain things that are going to happen to you or certain character traits that you have. So Amr Leho, Rabbi Hanina, Poku Amr the Bar Levi. Go tell the son of the Levi, Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi, who is the Baal Memra, don't know. You got it wrong. It's not the astrology of the day. It's not the day that counts. It's the hour that counts. Every hour, you have the different constellations that move through. Over here, Rashi suggests that there are seven of these constellations that move through. And those seven go over and over and over again. They roll through. Seven over seven, seven, seven. So you can be born under one of those seven constellations, which we're going to speak about right now. Planets, that's what the are going to switch to the planets, but you also have the sun and the moon. That's why I use the term constellations loosely, because the sun's included there, it's not a planet. And the moon also. I use the term constellations loosely, but five out of the seven are planets. You should also note here that similar to back on the Gemara in Kuf Chav Teh, 
these seven constellations that rotate through the hours, on each one of the days of the week, one of those is the beginning of the day. And actually, the days of the week's names today derive from this system. And that is, in the Romantic languages, you can see it much more clearly, but even within English, you can still see it, which is that the first day of the week is called Sunday, for the Chama. The second day of the week is called Monday, Moon, from the Livana. And we have, for instance, Saturday comes from Saturn, being the first on that day, so Saturday. It goes through all the days of the week. If you look at them, then the seven items that are going to be mentioned here, when that hour is the first hour of the day, that's where the name of the week derives from. Right, so now, Haiman de Bechamo, one is born under the sun, Yehegever Zivatan. So he'll be a person with a aura shine to them. He'll eat of his own accord, of his own, drink of his own, because just like the sun, the sun is self-sustaining, it produces its own light. But his secrets will all be in the open, just like the sun is always in front of everybody, but he can see it, it's not hidden. So his secrets will be out. However, if he's a thief, he's not going to succeed because he can't keep anything quiet. Haiman noga. Person is born under, they call it a kochab, the star nogat. Now if you look up in the sky at night, then a planet just looks like a bright star. So they didn't differentiate here between stars and planets, but the truth is what they're speaking about here seems to be planets, which is the kochab nogat's Venus. Yehei, gavar atir vizanai. Yehei. Similar to what we saw before on Tuesday, that this person will be a wealthy individual, but also will be someone who is promiscuous. My Nura, Because he has a fire in him. He's born with a certain burning desire inside of him. Haiman de Bekochav. One is born under the star. Star here refers to Mercury. So, Yehei, Gever, Nahir, Vechakim. Similar to what we saw on Wednesday. That this person will be someone who is wise. And again, here, whether Nahir means he has a good memory or it means that he has this aura about him. Why is that? And he is the scribe of the sun. Now, when they talk about the scribe of the sun, it's because of the way that they used to locate or see this. That Mercury always follows the sun. It's always close to the sun when they spot it. Which would make sense because Mercury is the planet that is close to the sun. So they always saw it. When they saw it in the sky, they always saw it wherever the sun was near the sun. That's where they saw the planet Mercury. So they called him the scribe of the sun because he was found near him, like a scribe would be found next to a king. So because of that, someone's born under that mazal of Mercury will have the traits of a sofer. That would mean that he's literate, that he's able to write in that day, which was associated with wisdom. Most people were illiterate, most people couldn't write. So a sofer was in that category. Haiman Dibalavana. Someone was born under the moon. And say, hey, Gever Savil Marin. Person will suffer from evils. Banai Satir. He'll build and it'll be destroyed. Satir. He'll take destruction. Banai and build it up. Achil Dolo Delay. He'll eat that which is not of his. Vishati Dolo Delay. Brazohi Kasian. But his secrets are covered. Imganav. If he's a thief, Matzlach. He will succeed. So here, the reason that he suffers is just like the moon. The moon was Nitmait. It was Pushed down. I mean, that there used to be the Shnei Mirot Ha-Dodim. You had the two Mirot, and then at Morah Gadol, at Morah Katan, the moon was pushed down. So that's one. But Naivisatir is the nature of the waxing and waning of the moon. So he'll build, and then it'll be taken, he'll take it down, he'll take it down, and then he'll build back and forth, like the waxing and the waning of the moon. delay is because Rashi says that because the moon is sometimes, and in Eretz is very, the moon's seen during the daytime. The moon's out in the morning, the moon's out in the evening, you can see it in the blue sky, something that happens here much more often than it does outside of Israel, because the sky is clear a lot of times, and you're able to see the moon during the day. The other possibility, what we know today, is that the moon's light is a reflection of the sun, and that he doesn't have, it doesn't produce its own light, it simply reflects the light of the sun. So because of that, others will have to support him or provide for him. Razik Kasin and his secrets are covered because the moon is not always visible. It's not always out there. So therefore, if he's a thief, he will succeed because if he has to keep, if he keep quiet, he has to be in stealth, it will work. Haiman Dishabtai, one who was born under Saturn. Be someone whose plans or thoughts will be nullified. Some say the other way. 
anybody who thinks evil about him or thinks about him, their plans will be nullified. And that derives from the word shovet or lishbot, which means the cessation of something. Haiman de Bitzedek, one who's born under Jupiter, Hegavar Tzadkan. This person will be a Tzedek, a righteous individual. Amrav Nachman Tzadkan Tzadkan here doesn't simply mean someone who is good between Ben Adam Lechavero, but in addition to that, he's a Tzadkan Bemitzvot. That's something that he does. He does Tzadka Ba'aniim, provides Tzedek, Umishpat, by providing for those that are less fortunate. Haiman Dimadim. One who's born under the red planet? Mars, right? Someone who's born under Mars? Yehei, Gever Ashid Dama. Will be someone who spills blood. Now here we have the most important qualification over here. Amar Vashi's modification or qualification over here sheds light on everything that we've read so far, which is, I umna, I ganva, I tabcho, I moala. When he spills blood, there are different manifestations of spilling blood. He can be a doctor. In their day, an umna, a bloodletter, was the equivalent of a surgeon or a doctor. Ganvo, he could be a robber, thief, but over here we're talking about a marauder, someone who kills. Itabcho, a butcher. Imola, or a mohel. He's going to be osuk bedam. He's going to be engaged with blood. The question is, what type of blood is he engaged with? It could be for the positive, or it could be for the negative. It seems here, at least, that there are three positive, one negative. Although, if you really balance it out, it looks like the first two are negative and the second two are positive, which would mean that umno is in the negative category. I just leave That's that out. Okay, right, so I'll leave that out there. So, Amar Rabba says, Ana bema'adim havai. I was born under the constellation Mars, under the planet Mars. Amar Abai, Marnami, Onish Vikotil. He says, Rabba says, I'm not of the above, and I was born under Mamadim. So he says, Abai says back to him, you are a leader. And when people don't listen to you, you're able to have them punished. You're able to have them brought in to the Beitin and get lashes. You have deputy sheriffs that execute on your word. So you are similar to someone who has, quote-unquote, blood or is involved with blood because of the fact that you can have corporal punishment. Read one more line, and then we'll discuss this a little more. Itmar, Rabbi Hanin Omer, Mazel Makkim, Mazel Mashir, Vish Mazel Yisrael. Mazel that you're born under tells you how wise you're going to be, tells you how wealthy you're going to be, and B'nai Yisrael are subject to Mazel. As Rashi says over here, what does that mean, that you're subject to Mazel, or you're not subject to Mazel? The question is... Whether tzfila utztaka can be mishaneta mazel. Are you fixed in place and that you can't change anything? That everything is determined beforehand and you have no ability to deviate from that? Or do we say that, no, tzfila utztaka, your merits, that what you do in your lifetime, your bichira, your free choice, can change the nature of what happens. That's the way Rashi learns it. And then we have the other opinion, which is of Yochan Amar, ein mazal Israel. There is no mazal Israel. B'nai Yisrael are not subject to the mazalot like the other nations. And now the Gemara is going to bring for almost the remainder of the daf, Amoraim, Tanaim, that have the opinion that in mazal Yisrael. B'nai Yisrael is not subject to mazal. Now, if this daf stood alone, we probably could deal with it, because the qualification of Ravashi basically opened up the answer to us to how do we deal with this. Problem in this daf is what we call it the challenge of the Bechirach of Shit, free choice, and determinants. That God already knows, or God already has a plan for you, and that you can't deviate from that. So here it seems if you're born under a certain mazel, you're determined what you're going to be or what's going to happen to you. So what happens to Bechirach of Shit? That's what Ravashi answers. People are born with innate character traits. People are born with innate strengths. That is predetermined. You're right. Person is born, whether they're artistic, whether they're good with their hands, whether they're good with their head, whether they're athletic, all of these things are predetermined. That's determined before you're born, and you really have no control over them. But what you do have control over, and that's what Avashi suggests over here, is how you utilize those traits that were predetermined. So that doesn't take away your Bechira Chavshit. It just offers you a narrower set of alternatives. It is not, you can't do anything you want. You probably will end up, I mean, you could do anything you want, but you most likely will end up doing something within your strengths. But within your strengths, there's always manifestations for good and manifestations for bad. This is a key difference, theologically, between Judaism and Christianity, which is Judaism doesn't believe that anything is inherently evil. There's nothing inherently evil. Like over here, you're born under the mazal of ma'adim, you're going to be spiller of blood. That doesn't make you necessarily evil, 
It's a question of what you do with that character trait. If you're bloodthirsty, how do you deal with that bloodthirst? So there's nothing inherently evil. As opposed to Christian theology, which is the original sin, means that man, by definition, has this evil and this hate built into them, and that they begin with this inherent evil amongst them. The Torah does not believe that. Even what we call the Yitzhah Tov, Yitzhah it's nothing is evil. Yitzhah does not mean that there's something evil inside of you. The Yitzhah is desires, man's desires. The question is what you do with those desires. So you can channel those desires to the positive, you can channel those desires to the negative. If you channel them to the negative, that's what we call the Yetzer HaRa. Channel them to the positive, that's the Yetzer HaTov. The Yetzer, the desire, is neutral. It's a desire. That desire can be channeled in different directions to be able to call Ra or Tov. This is a very, very fundamental to Judaism, and would be an easy way to explain this death. In an in a isolation, in a vacuum, we could deal with this death and not feel that we are challenged by this issue of determinants, that things are already predetermined, and therefore there's a difficulty because we just explained that. The problem arises from the other Gemaras, and that's what Tosafot raises right away over here. Children, your lifespan, your ability to make a living has nothing to do with your merits. Mikol Makom, Tosfut says, tries to dig out of that. That it changes through a big schut, you can change it. You're on a path that's predetermined, but maybe through a schut gadol you can get off the tracks. But sometimes you just can't get out of that. Even though ain't mazal Israel, that doesn't mean there's no mazal Israel, because there's another Gemara that says that there is mazal, and there is this sort of predetermined path that you're going to take. So how do we reconcile? Tosfut says, it's only in extreme cases that you can derail. Ain't mazal Israel means... Generally, you are subject to this astrology and to being born under these constellations in that predetermined state. But through huge merits or very unusual circumstances, you can undo that. That's how Tosva reconciles that one piece. But we also have other Gemaras, which Tosva doesn't raise here, but we do raise in other places, which is, Everything is up to heaven except for Yirat Shemayim. Everything is in heaven except for getting sick with a cold or getting fever. And once you do that, you run into much harder issues over here, which is that we're talking about things that seem to be completely under the Shkachat Hashem, that Hashem controls everything. And if Hashem is controlling everything and it's going to happen either way, what type of Bechira Chavshit do we have here? What type of free will is left? And that's where all the Rishonim start to speak about here. A lot of the Rishonim in this sugya speak about it. How do we reconcile between God's Hashkacha, determinants, and free will? And the balance between them. There's a lot to say about this. Obviously, this is days and days of to speak about it. The Miriam one place says, you just can't reconcile them. There are different opinions within Chazal. Chazal have different opinions about their philosophy on life and how they view the world. And maybe they, you don't have to reconcile these Gemaras. But most of the Mishonim do try to reconcile the Gemaras and come up with a singular picture. But I would just tell you what's unusual is that there are two paths that the Mishonim take. There's some that say, in coming up with a singular picture, this is what they say. So for instance, what the question is, someone goes and robs. A robber, a thief, comes. Now the thief definitely has a choice about robbing. The question is, the victim of his theft, is that person have hashkacha? Hashem picks the victim of the theft that the thief is going to rob, or maybe not. Or maybe the person that he robs is, we'll call it, random. Same thing about murder. Someone murders, Chaz Shalom, is the victim of the murder. Someone that would have died anyway by Ashkach Hashem. So the question is, how God facilitates that? And here he gets what we call, So here, the person was Chayav, or had to die, for whatever reason. And he facilitates that through someone who's a murderer. So that, they get together, and whatever carried out, it happens. That's one view of the Rishonim, so the Rishonim split on this issue, which is that most people would think, and that's the way that you would normally subscribe to this, is that, of course, that's not random who is stolen from. It's not random who is the victim of murder, but rather, that's all under Hashkach HaDashem. And that's what most of the Rishonim believe, that that's under Hashkach HaDashem, but the Bechir HaChavshid is not taken away because the victim of the crime is someone who deserved this either for whatever reason, whatever they did, or as a test. God's putting a test to them and therefore God matches up the two, the two together. And all of that is determined by the Shkuyot Bechir HaChavshid. There is a not so small slew of Rishonim who believe that the victims of these crimes in a sense 
It's not under Hashkoch Hashem. That does not happen. Hashkoch Hashem does not involve those smaller items. Simply, the person has Bechirach Hafshit. When man makes a choice to do something, like a Ganav to steal, and the victim of his crime is not under Hashkoch Hashem. That happens because that's where the Ganav was. That's the factor of his circumstances. And that who he robbed is not determined by Hashem, but, I don't know if go as far as happenstance, right, but the circumstances, his environment, is what causes that to happen. The Rambam, for instance, talks about the fact that if you throw something, that it hits the ground. So now, when you throw something that it hits the ground, is that a shkacha Hashem or not? Well, the answer is yes and no. The fact that it hits the ground is because there's the laws of gravity. It's the laws of nature. So what the Rambam says, yeah, God put the laws of nature in place. That means every time you throw something, it's going to hit the ground. So that means when you throw it, it hits the ground, that's a shkacha Hashem? No. Because when you throw it, the nature now will be to fall to the ground. That was originally put in place by God. So that's how the Rambam tries to separate between... Right, so that's the question. That's the nature of a rock. A rock will always fall to the ground. If there's somebody there, then that will hit the person. Does that mean the rock falling to the ground and hitting the person is a shkacha Hashem? According to many of the Rambam, that may not be the case. That may not be a shkacha Hashem. And so you have two streams of Bishonim. It's hard. It's a very hard thing to grapple with that certain things in life would happen and there wouldn't be a shkacha Hashem. But the Rishonim are dealing with these different Gemaras that I laid out for you, and they have to reconcile. And so they, they, they differentiate. They say certain things are under Ashkach Hashem, certain things are not under Ashkach Hashem. And therefore, they, unfortunately, maybe the victims of crimes, sometimes they're not under Ashkach Hashem, according to those Rishonim. And these Rishonim are obviously driven by the fact that they want there to be real Bechirah Chavshit. Bechirah Chavshit means that if a person chooses to do something evil, then Hashem can't set it up that they're going to kill somebody in particular, because then it seems like you've lost that aspect of Bechirach Hafshit, because God's setting up the whole circumstance. So therefore they want to separate between the action of man and the Ashkach Hashem. And that's why they say those victims of the crime are not under the Ashkach Hashem necessarily. But there is a split amongst the Bishonim, and you should be aware of that, because that's how they reconcile or how they try to deal with these Gemaras. Continuing the Gemara, again, there's much, much more to talk about. Try to send out some Mekorot on this, but I just wanted to get to the core issues here. Don't learn from the ways of the other nations. And from the constellations of the heavens, do not be dismayed, be fearful, tremble. Like the other nations are afraid of them. They're captured by the astrology, so they're afraid of them. You don't have to be afraid because you're outside of that. They will be captured or dismayed or captured by that astrology. And even Rav says, How do we know that there is no astrological determinants for Israel? When God is speaking to Abraham, he takes him outside, right before the Brit Ben Abtarim. Person who's working in my household, Eliezer, is going to inherit me. And God's promising him offspring and all this wealth and everything. And he says, I don't have any offspring. That which comes out of from you will be your offspring will be the one who inherits you. I looked at my astrology. I'm not in the astrology. I look up there. It says, no child for Abraham. I'm late. Say, meets Tagnuyot Shelcha. Walk out of your astrology. She'ain Mazal Yisrael. You made a mistake. We can break. We can derail the astrology. My datecha. What's your Thayit Sedek? Vimarav. You were born under Jupiter, and Jupiter was in the west, where it's cold. I mean, the west is far away from the sun. It's cold. Therefore, you will not give birth. Don't worry about it. I'll move it to the east, and then it'll be warm, and you'll be able to give birth. And that's what the puzzle says. Who brought up Tzedek to the east? And brought it before him. Brought it before him or for him. So they're dashing the puzzle a little out of context, but they're saying that God moved the Tzedek to the east in for Avram's benefit, in order that he could give birth. So it says, I can move the astrology. You're right, there's astrology. But you can, we can step out of that because ain't Mazal Yisrael. Mazal Yisrael. From Shmuel himself, we have a story that shows Ein Mazal Yisrael. The Shmuel of Avlat have a Yatve. Shmuel and Avlat. Avlat is a non-Jewish wise man. They were sitting together. There is person or people passing in front of them. They're going down to the water, to the swamp, whatever it is. Avlat, 
That person's going down, he's not coming back up. He's going to be bitten by a snake, and he's going to die. If he's a Jew, he's coming back. While they were sitting there, sure enough, he comes right back up. He can't believe his eyes that this guy came back. The wise man, astrology, it says this guy's not coming back. How's it possible they just walked back here? Shadi Latuna, he rips off his load from him. He finds a snake in the load that was cut in half. When he was cutting the wood or whatever he's doing, he ended up cutting a snake unbeknownst to him. And it was in the load. And this Avlat cannot believe it. So I'm like, Shmuel, my Avlat. Shmuel says, there's got to be a schut to this guy that this happened because he broke from Mazel. So I'm like, Kol Yoma, Avim, Ramrina, and Rifta, Bahadea, Dadi. We were in a collective, a eating collective, where every day we used to collect bread from everybody and then we'd come and eat together. And then we would eat. It was that person's turn to give. It's not clear from whether each one of them gave each day, or they all gave each day, and this was his turn to collect. It's not, not clear what it is. This person was embarrassed because he didn't have what to give into the pool. So I'll go and collect today. I'll be the one who takes the basket and collects from everybody, because he knew that this individual didn't have what to give. When he got next to this guy, he pretended, he pretended that he was taking the bread from him, so he wouldn't be embarrassed, so he pretended, to take, he took his own bread, and pretended that it was coming from this individual, and put it into the pool, you did a mitzvah, and that saved your life. Shmuel goes out, and it's doing staka, being generous to others, taking care of others, will save one from death. We're not talking about some unnatural or unusual death. Someone who was destined for death. This person, according to the astrological charts, was supposed to die that day. And Stokka prevented his death because he did Stokka on that day. From Akiva as well, we see there's no Mazal Yisrael. Brato had a daughter. As she says, astrologers. These are Babylonian astrologers. That how on the day that she enters the chupa, she will be bitten by a snake and die. Rabbi Kiva worried his whole life about this. It bothered him what they had said, which is also an interesting issue that Rabbi Kiva was bothered by what the Kaldai said. We also had that earlier in the Masechta that the Kaldai said something and that it impacted that they they took to note what they had said recognizing or acknowledging that there is something here. That it's not just emptiness, but there is something here. She took her brooch. That's the Buddha. She stuck it into the wall to store it there. And it happened to be Sure enough, it went straight into the eye of the snake. When she took out the pin in the morning, the snake started to follow after her. Hadn't bitten her, but at night she didn't see this. She took a brooch out of her hair and stuck it into the wall. It turns out that she put it straight through the snake, which was the snake that was supposed to bite her and kill her that night. So she was saved. Amrla Avua, Rabbi Kiva says to her, Mayavat, what did you do? Something happened here that protected you. Amrla, Bipanyo, yesterday afternoon, evening, Ata Anyo Karabava, there was a poor person who came to the door of the house and was banging on the door. Everybody was engaged in the Wedding ceremonies, the wedding festivities, the wedding meal. Everybody was busy. They didn't hear anything. Nobody heard him. I got up. We have the Ristanai. Other gisters are Distano or the Ristana, which is my portion from the meal, my portion from the festivities. That was given to me. I gave it to him. I took my wedding meal and I gave it to this poor person. You did a mitzvah. Staka will save one from death. Not from an unusual mita, but from death itself. Here again, she was destined to die on the day of her wedding and was saved by the act of staka that she did. A similar thing by Rav Nachman by Yitzchak. The the mother of Rav the, again, astrologers, the Babylonian stars, Brich Galnva Hava. Your son will be a thief. Lo Shavakte Gluye Reshe. She never left him with a naked head. Amrale, she suggested to him and told him this, not without telling him why. She says, Kase Reshech, cover your head at all times. So God, the fear of heaven will always be above you. You will have Yerat Shemayim. 
by Rachman and Davin Hart. So she says to her son, without doing anything, Velova Yoda, Amai Kamrale. And he had no clue why she told him this. Yomachala Yotiv, Kagaris, Tute Dikla. One day he was learning underneath a palm tree. Nafa Glima Milave, Reshe. His cloak fell off of his head. Wind, whatever happened, it fell off his head. Daliene raised his eyes. Chazala Dikla. He saw the palm tree and he saw there were dates on the palm tree. Alme Yitzre. His Yitzre, his desire overtook him. Salik, he ran, I mean, climbed the tree, scaled the tree in no time. Paske the Kibura Bishine. He took a cluster of dates off with his teeth, not even with his hands. He just ramped and took them right off the tree. You know, that's how much of the Yitzre, to be a Ganav, these weren't his tree, it wasn't his palm tree. That's how much the Yitzre was, but what you see here is that his mother was able to protect him and overcome the Mazal. So despite, again, that he had some sort of innate character trait that would make him a thief, nevertheless, he was able to overcome it, and that's how we say, again, Ein Mazal Yisrael. Okay, we'll begin the, the next section here with the Mishnah, and then we'll stop at the top of the next Amur. One can cut up gourds in front of the animals. Now, the gourds are, are hard. And as Rashi says over here, They're not usually for animals. They're usually for human consumption. And Rashi said it here, and he also said it back on Kufnun Vavam at Bet. At the top, Rashi said the similar thing, that... These are normally for human consumption. He's cutting them up to make them edible for the animal. And you're allowed to cut up a carcass, an animal, to feed to the dogs. It says, if it wasn't a nevela already before Shabbat, then it's a sura, because it's not prepared. This is your classic machloket, because who's the author of the latter opinions, Rabbi Huda, who says there is muksa on Shabbat. So who's the author of the Tanakhama? Who's the first position? Is Mantana is Rabbi Shimonhi. Shimon says there's no muksa. So therefore, if the animal dies in Shabbat, even though it's not mukhan, there's no muksa, and so there's no muksa, you can cut it up and give it to the dogs. Because going into Shabbat, the animal is alive. The animal's alive, then it wasn't designated for dogs, that's for human consumption or human utilization. So therefore, when it dies in Shabbat, Rabbi Yudah says muksa. You can't do anything with it. Rabbi Shimon says no muksa, you can cut it up. Same thing with the duluim here. The duluim were not ruim la'achila coming into Shabbat, but by cutting them up, you make them ruim la'achila. Question of muksa. Now, the Gemara in Beitzah concludes from this, from our Mishnah, the mukha da'adam lo mukha na'klavim. Something that's prepared for man is not prepared for dogs, because as long as it's mukha na'adam, we would not give it to the klavim. Tosur asks over here, I don't know how the Gemara ever gets that conclusion. Here we're talking about Shabbat, and when he came into Shabbat, it wasn't mukha na'adam either. If an animal's alive going into Shabbat, that's not mukha na'adam. Man can't eat that animal on Shabbat. He can't do anything with it. That will make it edible. So it's not even mukhan le'adam. So how does the Gemara and Beitzah come to that conclusion? So he brings down three possible answers to that question about what our mission is speaking about. The first one is, There are certain things that you can give to dogs alive. Kigon, ofot, birds, some small animals where they can eat it alive. And therefore, the fact is that those are mukhan. Even though they're not mukhan le'adam, they're also not mukhan le'klavim. The fact that you give it to the Kelev shows that you are allowed to give things to the Kelev, even though it wasn't Muchan Lo. That's one possibility. Then there is the Rav Yitzchak, the Rabbi Meir, who's the Rivam. Rivam is the, the brother of the Rashbam and the Rabbeinu Tam. The Rivam. Couldn't be known as Rav Yitzchak because the Ri was already the big Balatosu, so he's called the Rivam. The three sons of Rabbeinu Meir, who was the son-in-law of Rashi. So the Rivam over here suggests that the Gerson Mishnah should be Erev Yom Tov. Should be Yom Tov and not Shabbat. Here's a, that would solve all your problems because then it is Muchan Adam. You could check the animal on Yom Tov and you could eat it on Yom Tov and that would make it Muchan Adam. So he says that they're talking about over here is Erev Yom Tov and Yom Tov. Fidot Nehirali also rejects that and then he brings a third possibility which is Erbenu Parat says that the Mishnah Yitera there's an extra line in the Mishnah which says the fish Enamina Muchan. Mishnah didn't need to tell you say Enamina Muchan. That's already, that's obvious that it's Enomina Muchan. Why is it Enomina Muchan? That actual Lashon teaches you that din that they're looking for in Beitza, which is that Muchan Adam lo avi Muchan Klavim. Alright, those are the Tosavot is dealing, situate this Mishnah to understand what the context of this Mishnah is. Bukmar says, Itmar. Amar Ula halacha Rabbi Yehuda. The halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda, that there is Muksa. Raf Sabra halacha Rabbi Yehuda. And even Raf thinks halacha is Rabbi Yehuda. Midikarke de so Garche de Zuze, Rashi says, are the mats that they put over the merchandise in the boats. They're used for commercial merchandise. They are muksa on Shabbat. The Rav Asar Ushmal Shari. The Rav says it's Asur because it's muksa, And Rav Ushmal says no because he doesn't think there's a problem of muksa. 
And Levi also thinks Allah is a Rebbeudu. When they used to bring before him a trefa, to look if the animal is a trefa or not in Yom Tov, he would not see it as he was sitting on the dump, the garbage dump. He would only look at it when he was on the garbage dump. What happens if I figure it out that it's a trefa? It's not even royal for the klavim. Because it was Muksa, it was Mukhan Adam coming into Yom Tov, or coming into Shabbat, and therefore it's not really the Klavim. So what is he gonna do? He has Muksa now. He can't carry it to the dump. So the answer is, he did the checking on the dump, so that they didn't need it, they dropped it on the spot, and it was already in the garbage. Okay, Shmuel Amar, and Shmuel says, Aloha Kirabi Shimon. He passed on the Aloha Zerg Shimon. Vav Ziri, Savar Aloha Kirabi Shimon. Even Ziri thinks Aloha Zerg Shimon, it's not. Beimashimeta, an animal that dies, Loji Zenamim Koma. Now to move it. Because it's Muksa. The Targum is Iri, Kodashim. That's only by Kodashim that you can't move it because then there's Nisar Anah. Aval Bechulin, Shabbardami. By Chulin you can move it even though it died and now it should be Muksa. Why? Because coming into Shabbat it was alive. It was Muksa. It wasn't uh, ready to be used or utilized. You can't get it. Nevertheless, the Iri says, if it's Chulin, you're allowed to move it. You're allowed to get enough from it. So it's clear they doesn't think that there's a problem of Muksa over here. Tosfo deals with maybe why there couldn't have been another answer. He says it must have been a Mesorah. That's what Ziri feels because you could explain Ziri a different way. But Rabbi Yochanan Amar Allah Kagreb Shimon. And also Rabbi Yochanan says Allah Kagreb Shimon. That there's no Muksa. Umiyama Rabbi Yochanan Hachi. How did we know Rabbi Yochanan says this? Rama Rabbi Yochanan Allah Kagreb Shimon. Allah Kagreb Shimon. But it's not. We have a Mishnah. Eim Vakim Etzim in a Korot. You know how to chop up firewood from the beams. Things that are designated as building materials, you can't chop them up for firewood. And that from a ceiling beam that broke on Yom Tov. Because when you came into Yom Tov, that was a ceiling beam, not for firewood. Rabbi Yochanan doesn't think that that Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah. He thinks that that is That follows a singular opinion. And therefore, it's not a Stam Mishnah, but a Mishnah that has an opinion associated with it. And therefore, he isn't governed by that Mishnah or Stam Mishnah. Tosafot does point out that the Gemara in the beginning of Beitzah says that Stam the Shabbat is like Rabbi Shimon. Stam the Beitzah is like Rabbi Yehuda. That on Shabbos, all the Stam Mishnayot say there's no Muksa. And on the Beitzah, all the Stam Mishnayot say that there is Muksa on Yom Tov. So the Gemara there wants to understand why. And the Gemara has an explanation. But Tosafot points out, you know what the example, what the Stam Mishnah that they quote to say that in, in Shabbat, Stam Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon, is our Mishnah. So you have a Stam Mishnah that says, Allah Rabbi Shimon. How come the Gemara is asking Rabbi Yochanan for another Stam Mishnah in Beitzah that says like Rabbi Yehuda? Just bring the Mishnah over here. That's a Stam Mishnah, okay? Rabbi Shimon, you won't have a problem anymore. Rabbi Yochanan could reconcile with just saying that Allah is like our Mishnah, a Stam Mishnah. So tell us what it says. When the Gemara says Stam Mishnah over there, it doesn't really mean a Stam Mishnah. Because over here you have Rabbi Yehuda arguing on him, and it's not really a Stam Mishnah. But rather, it's a Stam Mishnah because they didn't associate Rabbi Shimon's name with it, and therefore it makes it look like it's the Rabim. And it's Allah Rabim. So the Gemara in Beitzah will call it a Stam Mishnah, even though it's not literally a Stam Mishnah. And that's why the Gemara doesn't bring it as a proof for Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, we'll stop over here.